Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, guys, uh, I joked on Monday morning that the sun was shining a little bit brighter and the coffee tasted a little bit better because the NFL draft is in the rearview mirror. Boy, that just got torturous there for a while. 49ers make the trade on March 26th, and then we had to wait until April 29th to, to know who the pick was and then to get through the whole draft process. I hate it every year. I start getting really sick of all the speculation of the mock drafts every year. I really love this part of it though, when we get to sit down and, you know, stop breaking down hypotheticals. We get to break down actual players that are now on the 49ers 90 man roster. So there are eight new guys on this 49ers roster, including Trey Lance, who we talked about on the last episode. So we'll touch a little bit on Lance. And then we'll go through uh, the rest of them. But Matt, well, just one thing about all this torture. It could have been worse, so maybe we should be thankful. On the Rich Eisen show, Kyle Shanahan said that the 49ers wanted to make the trade back in February. Let me just tell you, thank <laughs> God they didn't make this trade back in February, right? <laughs> right. That, that would have added two more months to uh, the strain that we were all under as this approached. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I... I I thought that there was a visible sense of relief on Kyle Shanahan and and John Lynch, and I, I thought that probably represented all kind of follow, uh, 49ers followers and fans that this is finally over. We finally have our answer. It seems like one that most people are happy with, and, and I think the draft as a whole, and, and we'll ask Dennis this too, was a good one. It was not of type uh, that they, they departed in, in several ways from their tendencies um they Dennis they they didn't draft one guard they drafted two guards they they didn't draft one running back they drafted two running backs um and no defensive linemen and I know that probably bums you out a little bit but I I recall from our previous sessions that you you like the idea of them going after some old linemen and, and they got some uh not only some offensive linemen but some offensive linemen in the middle of that uh, offensive line, and I, 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 I'm sure you can appreciate that. Yeah, and and you know I I don't really like offensive linemen, but I understand they're they're kind of important uh, to your offense. Uh, and if you look back at the the 49ers and kind of where they kind of struggled the last couple seasons, and it's been kind of in the red zone and on third down conversions. And I think now, I mean, we're used to seeing those athletic, tall, kind of slender. Uh, kind of quick moving offensive tackles and guards. And now you go out and you get two guys that are basically maulers uh, and they're in the middle. So I think Kyle Shanahan kind of understands that this team needs to be more physical as far as the line of scrimmage goes. And you go out and get these two guys, Aaron Banks and, and Jalen Moore. I mean, these are, these are big dudes. 330, 330, I think Aaron Banks is. And yeah. Moore is like 315. So now you're talking about an offensive line. When, he, when you get down there in the red zone 
you can really, really roll some defensive linemen up just with these two guys if they're going to play in the middle. So, you know, I, I was I was impressed by the 49ers going on. I, I was still thinking it was going to be cornerback in the second round, but they went out and they got Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. Uh, and I think that shows Kyle Shanahan is concerned about, you know, his offensive line being a physical offensive line. And when it comes down to it, those 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 yardages, those short yardages are in the red zone, having some guys. Then you go and get Trey Sher- Sherman, uh, Sermon, uh, Ohio State. And he is, you know, he's a quick back, but he's a back that runs w- really well in between the tackles. So I think Kyle Shanahan knows that this team, you know, where the weakness is. And Kyle Shanahan was saying, listen, I got to go out and get me some some good, strong offense, big offensive linemen, and a good, strong running back. Yeah, I mean, the weakness for the 49ers throughout the Shanahan era, if you had to find a general weakness, had been power, blocking, and pass protection, right? And those two often go hand-in-hand because generally the offensive lineman's body type that uh, is good at one of those is good at the other. So you anchor better in pass protection if you're a bigger body, and you're also probably going to be a little bit uh, more capable of mauling people. So I think that's what the uh, Aaron Banks pick is all about. I think you nailed it, Dennis. Aaron Banks, biggest guard that Shanahan has ever drafted, the first guard, really, that Shanahan has drafted, because when they took Colton McKivitz last season, they were talking about him as a tackle. I know they eventually started playing him as guard. I know they also started playing uh, the draft pick from the year before, Justin School, a tackle as a guard this past season. But for all intents and purposes, um, you, you know, th- those two guys were later round draft picks who, you know, might develop. Uh, I think Justin School might be on the outside looking into a roster spot now. I do think that I, I might have been a little too harsh on Colton McKivitz in my earlier uh, draft assessments. I, I've talked to some people around the 49ers. They really think he's going to turn it around this year. So Colton McKivitz, I think, is going to be on this roster. But the point still stands is that Shanahan has not invested anything higher than a fifth-round pick outside of the Mike McGlinchey selection in 2018. So it, it was a big deal, I thought, when he drafted Aaron Banks in that second round of this draft. And Aaron Banks, this is a Greg Cosell scouting report. Greg Cosell, the great uh, NFL films uh, guru who really started the analysis of football and television back in the 80s with NFL matchup. He, he wrote that Greg, Cos- uh, Greg Cosell wrote that Aaron Banks has outstanding size and mass for an offensive guard with a well-proportioned frame that carries 330 pounds evenly. He shows light, quick feet for a big man, quick set and pass protection to anchor and handle the bull rush, good lateral movement and pass protection with an effective redirect, and he's a solid inside pass protector. Those are the first three lines of Greg's scouting report. It's a lot longer. I'll, I'll share the rest later. But, Matt, those first three lines sound like exactly what the 49ers need at right guard, right? Yeah, four words uh, just, just leapt out to me. Solid inside pass protector. Uh, we all watched uh, Jimmy Garoppolo get – Hit in the back of the leg last year um, after a guard missed uh, an inside block against Quentin Williams, of course, uh, who uh, uh, is no slouch. But uh, the fact of the matter is that their their season went down the tubes basically at that point. I mean, that's so important. So um, I feel like Banks is uh, is obviously going to be um, yeah, considered uh, along with Lance. They're they're the same draft class, et cetera, et cetera. But Banks also theoretically helps out Garoppolo this season, and uh, you know that was the the team's number one goal, which was to um, protect the quarterback spot. 
um, to, to add some bodies so that if there was another injury to, to the starter, uh, the, the season wouldn't be decimated like it's been in two of the last three years. So uh, I think that top goal was accomplished. And, and otherwise, they were basically drafting um, spots that were a bit overdue. Like they, they, they hadn't drafted guard. They hadn't drafted running backs. Uh, they, they needed to, to bulk up on those spots. Uh, I think one of the themes of this draft is that um, they, they sort of let the draft board come to them. Uh, I, I think a lot of teams were leery this year because it was such an oddball scouting year. They didn't have a lot of games to scout. They didn't, uh, a lot of these guys didn't have a lot of, of college film. There wasn't the usual pre-draft uh, kind of interview process. So they ended up taking, Dennis, uh, of their eight picks, six of those guys played in the Senior Bowl, which, which seemed to add another level of, you know, A, they were seniors, and, and, and B, there was another opportunity to scout them in a, in a scant uh, scouting season. And then they're going to sign four undrafted rookies, and two of those guys also went to the Senior Bowl. So... It seemed like getting uh, a lot of information, making sure that uh, they knew exactly who it was that they were picking, uh, was paramount. Obviously, uh, listeners will, will note the exception to that is, is Trey Lance, who only played one season. Otherwise, the, the team really went with um, guys that they had a lot of film for, a lot of information on. You know, the, the recurrent theme of the whole draft was like, you know, this certain player had a great week at the Senior Bowl. And I wasn't able to play in the Senior Bowl. I played in the East-West Shrine game here in Santa Clara then when it was being played. But it seemed like a lot of guys really raised their stock at the Senior Bowl. And that's a great place to do it because you got NFL coaches kind of coaching you and also all the all the scouts are there. So it seemed like a lot of guys did really, really well at the Senior Bowl. And the only film I could, I could really find of like Jalen Moore was the offensive tackle from Western Michigan was at you know, film uh, from him at the Senior Bowl. And he was playing guard and tackle. And he, his one-on-one pass was, was really impressive to be, you know, 300 and whatever, 10, 11 pounds he is. Good feet, good hands, you know, good base. Uh, and that's the only film I could really find on him. But it seems like that Senior Bowl really helped out a lot of these players, especially with the COVID the COVID year in, in, in college football, it seems like that Senior Bowl really helped out a lot of players. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, Greg Cosell really likes Greg Cosell really likes Jalen Moore. We should talk a little bit more about him, more pun intended, I guess. But uh, he uh, he's out of Western Michigan, so directional Michigan school immediately should remind you of Joe Staley, right? He came from Central Michigan to the 49ers a long time ago, back in 2007. But the parallels don't stop there. Jalen Moore came to Western Michigan as a 250-pound tight end. That's exactly the weight and the position that Joe Staley was when he came to Central Michigan back in, what, 2002 or 2003. Uh, The difference between Jalen Moore's trajectory and Joe Staley's trajectory is that they weren't initially sure that they wanted to play Jalen Moore at tackle. 
they actually moved him from tight end to defensive end first and then defensive end to left tackle. And now the 49ers are going to move him again. The 49ers actually see Jalen Moore as a guard, and that goes to Dennis's point. The 49ers really like these you know, big guards all of a sudden. Well, they're moving a tackle in Jalen Moore, a left tackle, a pretty big left tackle in college, uh, inside uh, to, to be able to get that little bit of extra oomph. But if you read Greg Cosell's scouting report of Jalen Moore, um, he, he absolutely loves this guy. He thinks that he does project to, to be a good tackle or guard at the next level. Uh, it, desirable length, shows good looseness in his core and his hips to effectively react to edge speed. Uh, and Greg, the, the way that I'm reading his scouting report is that, that he's thinking that this guy could be a future left tackle. But the 49ers, obviously, I think this is just address a resource to a need they have both of their tackles set and they're looking for that uh th- that, that guard and, and because of that I think that this line of the scouting report really really popped out to me he showed plus athleticism and mobility in the run game effectively executing fold blocks and reach blocks and he executed combo blocks working to the second level to block linebackers his mobility and balance were on point as he uh, was on the move. So uh, that's all from Greg Cosell. And Matt, that, again, sounds like the dream 49ers offensive lineman, especially considering the fact that they got him in the fifth round. I think with a player like Jalen Moore, the athleticism required to be both a tight end and a defensive end earlier in his career, uh, I think Shanahan saw that and said, I can work with this. This guy is still raw and I can mold him into the kind of guard or maybe into the Brunskill type of offensive lineman that could help us out anywhere. Yeah, and this is something that the 49ers have done, a lot of teams do, is that they take college left tackles and they and they turn them into interior linemen. Uh, Daniel Kilgore, for example, was uh, uh, the, the longtime center, was a left tackle at Appalachian State. Uh, Mike Person was a, a left tackle at uh, at Montana State, I think it was. These these are both guys who ended up playing a lot of snaps on the interior for the 49ers. Uh, Colton McKivitz, uh was a right tackle and a left tackle, I think, at West Virginia, um, and he probably projects best as guard as well. But you're right. I mean, it just shows you how athletic even guards and centers have to be these days, and especially in the in the Shanahan offense. Uh, reach blocks, getting out in space. Uh, the combo blocks that you just mentioned, uh, these guys have to be good on their feet. Uh, so um, obviously somebody who played left tackle, who has a background at tight end, defensive end, kind of speaks to that. Uh, we know now, guys, if they do ever do a guard-eligible play, and Shanahan will have to uh, really dive deep into his bag of tricks for that. Um, this guy, Jalen Moore, is probably, given his tight end background, is probably the, the best candidate for that. And it says a lot that, you know, when he was in college, you know, it, it showed his athleticism and they thought he could play actually defensive line. So, you know, we all know defensive linemen are the, the best athletes on the football And smartest team. And, and, and the, the most smart. handsome, I, I heard. <laughs> most important players. But, you know, I heard Kyle say something in the press conference, you know, when, when he was asked the question about the bigger offensive linemen, he said, you know, you want big offensive linemen, but you want offensive linemen that can move. Uh, and then just hearing that this kid comes from, you know, his, his background is a tight end defensive lineman. It says that he can move, you know, at 315 pounds around really well and he's athletic still. But then he can still be in the middle there. And like I said, he can drive some off or some defensive linemen off the line of scrimmage in those third and shorts or in the red zone. So, you know, it, it doesn't look like a Kyle Shanahan offensive lineman, but really, if he's a big man that can move, 
he fits perfect in his offense. Yeah, exactly. And Kyle Shanahan, the way he said it the other day was, first you have to prove that you belong in the club. And and by that, he means exactly what you just said, Dennis, that you can move well. And then, well, if you're huge, if you've already proven that you could belong in the movement club, we don't care how big you are because you can move. In fact, it might even be a bonus. And obviously in the case of Jalen Moore, uh, he can move because of his background. It gets a little trickier with Aaron Banks, but that's where the 49ers, their staff actually believes they have an athletic freak on their hands because they think that he played heavy last year at Notre Dame at, what, 325, 330, yet still showed them the requisite movement on film. Jalen Moore, over 1,000-plus college pass protection snaps, only gave up two sacks. Uh, not Jalen Moore, sorry. Uh, Aaron Banks, over 2,000-plus uh, college pass protection snaps, uh, only gave up two, two sacks. So the 49ers absolutely love that anchoring ability, that pass protection ability. And based on what I understand, they're going to want him to, to slim down a little bit, but not too much to about 315 pounds, which is exactly where Lake and Tomlinson is. So in an ideal world, it's going to be Trent Williams at left tackle. Obviously, Trent Williams is the freak of freaks, right, at left tackle. Uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer because of his ability to combine uh, size and speed. 49ers re-signed him to record money. Lakin Tomlinson, whose career is resurrected with the 49ers at 315 pounds at left guard. Alex Mack, the NFL center of the decade for the 2010s. The 49ers will try to scrounge some uh, you know, final year productivity from him before he retires he's going to be 36 this year at center but yeah I mean he's got the the perfect cerebral mind for that center position in the Shanahan scheme ideally Aaron Banks at about 315 pounds that they get him slimmed down to Tomlinson's weight at right guard and then Mike McGlinchey who the 49ers, uh, they picked up his option, $10.8 million for the 2022 season. So this is the offseason-wide look at the offensive line. It was a huge need. They were bad at pass protecting in the past few seasons. They have tried to address it through the Williams record money, the max signing, the Banks drafting, and they hope that all of that helps Mike McGlinchey also become a better pass protector at, at right tackle and also, by extension, helps Lakin Tomlinson at left guard. What do you think about the cumulative effect of this investment in the offensive line over the offseason? It's about protecting Jimmy Garoppolo and protecting the investment in Trey Lance. Um, I, mean, I think it's as simple as that. And they've got some other guys there too. Sean Coleman is probably the front runner right now to be the swing tackle. We have yet to see him in a regular season game, but the 49ers have really talked him up uh, in recent years and he's got to know the system by now. I would think that McKibbitz is in the mix as the swing tackle Jalen Moore might, uh, you know, if, if there are injuries, issues at tackle, might be brought in. That's good depth. This isn't the, the 1980s Plan B free agency anymore. You're not going to have splendid depth on an offensive line, but I, I think the 49ers is probably as good as anyone's right now. The, the, the question for me is, is Mac. I mean, he turns 36 during the season. Um, he, you know, as, as you noted, he's probably not going to play very much longer than the 2021 season. So um, who are they developing? Who's the the, the center of the future? Brunskill, is it right? Daniel Brunskill? Yeah, yeah I, I would think it is. Um, and, and maybe all these guards allow poor Daniel Brunskill, who's been moved from left tackle to right tackle to guard to center to concentrate on center. So it can have a real apprenticeship. Um, because I think that would be valuable. I mean, it would take away that huge question mark that, that's been sort of looming over Kyle Shanahan since he got here in 2017. You would have that guy earmarked for the future. Brunskill's young, he can move, 
and he's very intelligent, and he just needs experience, and um, you know that's what uh, that's what this year can can bring. So on paper, at least, Dennis, it seems like a a smart plan at uh, along the offensive line. Yeah, and just Dave, you reading off that starting offensive line, it it it, it it's impressive. I mean, just the just the just on paper. You know, and and thinking about having those guys not only protecting Jimmy Garoppolo, but like you said, protecting the future. And uh, and it, it sounds good. It just guys, these guys have to pan out. And and the draft is all about kind of, especially these later round guys. It's all about building some depth in your in your football team. I think the 49ers did a really good job at that. Now the the offensive line, I think it's been kind of a question mark the last couple years or so, and I think they really addressed it. And I was happy to see these big guys, these 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 big guys, 330, 315 pound guys that because it, it's so frustrating watch the, watching the 49ers in the red zone or, or in short yardage, third, third down conversions, things like that, those third and twos, third and threes. So on paper, again, it looks fantastic. We'll see how it how it pans out. I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully I can get to some some practices during during camp. I want to see how this offensive line kind of gels together. You know, you have a lot of leadership on this offensive line. And you got a lot of young guys on this offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see how they develop as a group. So on paper, it looks pretty good. And we'll see how they develop in front of the running backs of the 49ers drafted. This is part of the offseason construction that goes completely hand-in-hand hand with this investment in the offensive line. We talk about this ability to bully uh, that the 49ers are, I think, trying to double down on with that offensive line. Obviously, the pass protection um, it comes as part of that. But, uh, you know, one of the key parts of pass protection, especially in Kyle Shanahan's scheme, is to be able to run the football effectively. Because if you could run the football effectively, you're dictating game flow, you're dictating play action, you're keeping the defense on its heels, and most of all, you're keeping the pass rush in the stable, right? The pass rush cannot be fully unleashed if you're controlling the game with the run so uh, the other half of the equation is the I would say the other three picks of the 49ers made obviously the two running backs you have Trey Sermon from Ohio State in the third round and then Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana in the sixth but let's make sure that we include Trey Lance in this package right when we're talking about the power running game and some fans are going to cringe when I say this but put on Trey Lance's tape this guy runs powerfully he's 230 pounds Kyle Shanahan's going to utilize him at some point, whether it be when he's the starting quarterback in the future or if it's in red zone packages this coming season. Don't think that Kyle Shanahan's going to let Trey Lance just rot on the bench. In my opinion, you're going to see all 230 pounds of Trey Lance work and, and run a little bit, and that's going to give the 49ers a little bit more of a running spine. And you're also going to see uh, Trey Sermon, a, a guy who has some power to him. I mean, between Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, the 49ers have the fastest Second fastest 10-yard split out of the 2021 draft class. That was Trey Sermon. And Elijah Mitchell is the second fastest 40-yard dash time out of this class. So, And Elijah Mitchell's got a little physicality to him, too. You put on the film, second clip on his highlight tape, he's steamrolling over a guy. So he's not just 4-3 speed. He ha I mean, the, the criticism, he's a bit of an upright runner, but who cares in Shanahan's system, right? I mean, Raheem Mostert's an upright runner, too. If you could be physical and you could be fast, you could do that one-cut assignment that Kyle Shanahan wants in the outside zone. And, and Matt, between those three, I, I know Lance is going to be used less than 
uh, you know, a guy like Sermon and potentially Mitchell. But between those three, you have athletes that can run, and it's a it's like a recommitment to uh, the running game that the 49ers rode all the way to the Super Bowl back in 2019. Yeah, and I think it's uh, important to point out that, that Moster, Jeff Wilson, and Wayne Gallman, who before the draft were probably one, two, and three in the uh, running back rotation, they're all only signed through this upcoming season. So uh, the, the 49ers needed to look to the future there as well. Um, you know, Mitchell, 4.33 40-yard dash, it's, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, I, I watched his film. He didn't play quite that fast. Um, he's, uh, he's not as fast as Raheem Mostert, but, yeah, I mean, he's still plenty fast for this offense, and, and you're absolutely right. It's the 10-yard it's the burst. That's, that's a common denominator on a lot of positions on this team, what, what the 49ers scouts and coaches look for. Uh, how fast do these guys plant their foot and get up to speed? And uh, and Sermon and and Mitchell do that really well. Sermon reminded me of Tevin Coleman. Actually, uh, Tevin Coleman was a uh, a third round pick for the Falcons. Uh, Sermon's a, a third round pick for the 49ers. Common denominator is uh, Bobby Turner, the running backs coach. Um, very similar. Uh, neither one is a burner. Uh, but a good, quick first step, and then they they hit guys. They 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 like contact. They like to knock guys over. And you're right. And you're right. Trey Lance likes to knock guys over. It's not going to be Delaware or Illinois State or James Madison defensive backs anymore. But there's a physicality there. He was recruited as a safety. Um, he's built like Steve McNair, uh, Dennis. So um, I think da- uh, David's right. In situational. Uh, spots, red zone, maybe third and short, maybe even uh, this year when Garoppolo's the de facto starter, uh, Shanahan will utilize Trey Lance by bringing him in uh, sort of in the same role that Taysom Hill had in New Orleans, just in situational spots to keep defenses guessing, get them a little bit nervous near the goal line. I was thinking the same thing about Hill is that's how I can see Trey being used. And I was surprised. I was watching the tape uh, on the news when he kind of arrived and he gave uh, John Lynch, uh, you know, a handshake and a hug. And he, he was actually, he was taller than John Lynch. And he, he looked like, I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. You know, he, for some reason, I thought he was this little tiny guy, but he's a big dude. So, you know, if you can get him in situations, uh, you know, like, like, like New Orleans did, does for Tyson Hill. I mean, that, I mean, I can just see Kyle Shanahan on his whiteboard just going nuts with a player like that on the bench. I don't I don't I don't think we'll see Trey Lance sit on the bench the entire the entire year. I think somehow he's going to get on the football field and to go back to the power running. I mean, if you look at this kid uh, Trey Sherman, he is he is a powerful running. I mean, I don't know, you talk about his speed, uh, but all you really need in this offense is that one cut and hit the hole. And I think when you have those offensive linemen open up those holes for you, you got a running back that doesn't mind you know, being physical, I think it fits in. And again, we, we can speculate all we want and we can talk about how great this offense is going to be and how, how it's going to go to the next level. But these guys do have to show up and they have to play. But I'm excited. I mean, this draft, I think the I think the 49ers did a great job at this draft. 
addressing a lot of the issues, especially on the offense. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, there's a log jam in that running back room, which I think that Kyle Shanahan likes, you know, even if nobody gets hurt and somebody probably will get hurt. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, hoping somebody will. It's just the reality of the situation. It's, you look at the 49ers running back room throughout the entirety of the Shanahan era, they rely on these guys so much and they tend to be a little bit lighter than your typical 220 pound bell cow. So they're, have been a lot of injuries there and it got ugly at a point last season right I think it was the game against Green Bay where the 49ers were down to Jamichael Hasty and Austin Walter and it it wasn't good it, people were really missing Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson so what Kyle Shanahan said even though he wasn't planning to draft two running backs entering this draft once they hit the sixth round and somebody of Elijah Mitchell's talent was there he said we've got to take him He's the best player available, and we'll just see where the chips fall moving forward. And the situation now is that the 49ers have Mostert 1, Wilson 2, Trey Sermon 3, I would say Wayne Gallman 4, and Elijah Mitchell 5. They're going to carry four running backs. And Mitchell's a sixth-round pick, so sixth-round picks have to prove themselves in camp. He, he, Gallman is an established veteran. He, he was good for the New York Giants for the past four years. I think he's got a hold on that four spot, but the 49ers would love if Elijah Mitchell beat him out because Gallman's only on their contract for a year, as Matt said. They would have Elijah Mitchell and that speed and you know all that talent for four years if he made the team because of the rookie contract. So it creates this traffic jam, Matt, that I don't think we were expecting the 49ers to create, but it's there. And the great news for them is that it gives them options. And normally this kind of stuff works itself out, right? One guy gets dinged up in training camp, maybe, you know, has to start the season inactive or on IR or whatever, and you slide in uh, the guy that was on the outside looking in previously. So depth is not a bad thing. It will probably work itself out. But at the very least, it's going to create a lot of competition in that room. And that competition, I think, is important because you don't want to come up with another Joe Williams situation like Shanahan dealt with in 2017. No, I mean, Wayne Gallman is not going to excite a lot of 49ers fans. Uh, and I'm sure Wayne Gallman is, is wondering why the 49ers uh, picked him up in free agency when they were going to uh, draft two running backs. But I, I can almost guarantee you that they're going to be relying at some point during the season on on those guys um they, they had just so many injuries there last year you, you you noted that they had to you know austin walter wasn't even part of their training camp he, he was part of the previous year's training camp but they had to tap him at the end of the season because the uh the, the injuries began to pile up so i mean when you're on a team that runs as much as the 49ers do that wants to go deep in the playoffs and and frankly uh i, I love raheem Mostert, but he hasn't proven that he can uh, stay healthy for 16 games at all. Um, so they, they need to watch him very carefully, make sure that he's not overdoing it. He's by far their most talented guy. 
uh, can score from anywhere on the field, but they, they need to regulate his snaps and his workload, etc. Having a deep running back group does exactly that. Uh, you really can't go wrong. I mean, again, it, it's hard for me to kind of judge this this draft class because I, I, I really wasn't paying attention to what the other 31 teams were doing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but I thought this was a really good sort of meat and potatoes, mostly meat and potatoes on offense draft that addressed some areas that had been overlooked uh, in, in previous years and um, just uh, adds to the the bulk uh, and the depth of this team. I, I, I think uh, it's going to end up being a really solid, smart, um, needed type of draft class. Other than the, the number three pick, Trey Lance, I mean, it, was, it wasn't any, you know, big surprises, big names. And I think you're right. I think the 49ers just kind of set back and got with their scouting team and they said, what does this team need? And I think, you know, as an organization, we need some depth offensive line. We need some some physical offensive linemen. We need some power backs. And I think Trey Sherman just kind of, or Sherman just kind of fell in the 49ers lap. Like you said, Dave, I think they looked on the board and they said, hey, he's still there. You know, we, we may not need a running back, but then again, we might need a running back because last year we were down to our, you know, fourth and fifth string running back. So, you know, have a great athlete like that fall into your hands. I mean, you couldn't let him not get out, not not sign him or not draft him and leave him on the board. So again, it's 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 depth. It's you know the running room, the running back room is is full, but it's going to make you know it's going to make competition and 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 to compete in camp is is nothing but good and see who comes out at the end. But yeah, 49ers running backs they have it tough. They seem to get hurt, so you always have to have someone that's going to be there waiting in on the sidelines that can play at a high level there. So. I think you're right, man. I think it's just it's the 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 draft class was not flashy, but it it, it kind of addressed a lot of needs that the 49ers were kind of looking for. And I think I think they did a really good job. Yeah, and then when you get to the later rounds too, this is in response to some of the fan criticism. You don't try to fill a need with a sixth round pick. People need to understand that sixth round picks are like lottery tickets and you want to maximize your chance of winning the lottery in the sixth round. So you got to take the best player. So the, for example, the 49ers didn't have a slot receiver entering the sixth round, right? That, that That's a big question mark. Jalen Hurd might be that guy, but, but and they, they hope that he's going to be back and, the start of training camp from the torn ACL from last season, but obviously after missing two years because of season-ending injuries, that's a risky move. So a lot of people were just really craving for the 49ers to draft a receiver, but the success rate and the ability of sixth-round draft picks to make a 53-man roster is inherently very low. So you can't be specifying by position. You use your first round and your second round and maybe your third-round pick on direct needs. But in the sixth round, it's okay to draft Elijah Mitchell, even if you weren't expecting to draft Elijah Mitchell, because he's the best player that you have on your board at that point. And then you just cross that bridge when you get to it. The New England Patriots of Bill Belichick have used this, the best player available uh, philosophy, to, to build a dynasty over the last two decades. So I have no problem with how the 49ers approach that. But... Uh, they do still have to fill that slot receiver role. That's just something that they couldn't fill in the sixth round. So they uh, signed uh, Sammy Watkins' cousin, Austin Watkins, and uh, uh, 
undrafted free agency. I'm not exactly sure where they plan for him to, to fill in. He's a little bit taller than their typical 5'10", 5'11", slot receiver. He's like 6'1", or 6'2". And, you know, everybody's going to be talking about Julio Jones here for as long as Julio Jones is still in Atlanta because the Falcons have said that uh, they are trying to trade him, if possible, because they don't have uh, uh, cap room right now. So Julio Jones is on the trading block in Atlanta. Kyle Shanahan has obviously coached him before. Maybe he's the big receiver that comes in and fills all the 49ers' problems. I don't know. But in the draft, they didn't have that ability in the sixth round to draft a sure slot receiver that could make the 53-man roster. That's why they didn't do it. Instead, they focused on uh, best player available after that second or that third round. And to wrap up, Matt, uh, defense was already loaded, right? The 49ers were in a situation where they had re-signed a lot of those free agents to one-year deals, but they did need more defensive depth in the secondary. So um, we're going to be talking about the offense for a while in this draft because that's where the focus was, but they got a pair of cornerbacks and a safety who might be a linebacker down the road. He might be one of those hybrid types. They got Ambry Thomas, the cornerback out of Michigan, runs a 4-4. They got Diamador Lenore cornerback out of Oregon who probably is going to be K1 Williams back up at nickel if he makes the team. And then they got Talanoa Hufunga, the safety out of USC, who's a slow safety. He runs a 4-6. He's not twitchy. He's not fast at all for the safety position, which is why I think he might be in that third linebacker role, a hybrid role that Marcel Harris has been playing in for the 49ers. And you put on Hufunga's tape, he reminds me a lot of Fred Warner, to be honest, a smaller Fred Warner. So I think the 49ers may try to bulk him up and play him as a third linebacker moving forward. Yeah, Hufunga, during our, our Zoom interview after he was drafted, just a really likable guy. I think he's going to, if he sticks with his team, he's going to become a fan favorite. He just uh, wears his heart on his sleeve, plays his heart on his sleeve. Um, he's probably going to be uh, a special teams guy to begin with. And uh, like I said, uh, I think he has all the earmarks of being a fan favorite. Yeah, to me, those those two picks that you just mentioned, Lenore and um, Hafanga, they remind me so much of DJ Reed and, and Marcel Harris, who went back-to-back uh, back, back in 2018. So the 49ers um, seem to be kind of going back to that um, that play card that they used before. I would say, you know, uh, you, you could kind of critique cornerback. That was a, a big need. Dennis pointed that out earlier. Um, they waited until the end of the third round with Ambry Thomas, uh, who opted out last year. Uh, still, he was really good the year before, played in the Big Ten, played in the Senior Bowl. So that uh, that's a promising pick going forward. Uh, tight end to me kind of jumps out as a, as a position of need for this team. You've got George Kittle, and then you've got uh, three or four guys who are undrafted, and then Charlie Warner, who was a six-rounder last year. Um, I wonder uh, if this team was going to add... Um, a veteran at some point, you know, maybe right before training camp. I would guess that tight end, they would, they would do something like they did last year with Jordan Reed, uh, who wasn't uh, signed until August. Um, they'll add somebody. Delaney Walker is available. Zach Ertz is available, apparently. I mean, uh, wouldn't that be a, a one-two combination? George Kittle plus... Bay Area native Zach Ertz. That would make a lot of people happy. But um, like I said, I think overall it was a good draft. They, they addressed a lot of needs. There's still a couple more that could become problematic. Uh, but Dennis, uh, overall, I, I'd give it a solid A 
Uh, what are you thinking? Well, I, I'm still surprised that the San Francisco 49ers didn't draft a defensive lineman. It's true. This this year's that draft. means it gets that an was, F from Dennis. <laughs> it gets a big F, but you know these two guys on the defensive side. I think you know both of them. It's part of the youth movement. You know, I think you you got to get some more depth on that defensive side of the ball. And you know, you watch these guys play, and you know they jump off the screen. You know, Yamador's a ball hawk. I mean, he went to the University of Oregon, but you know he's a ball hawk, and he's and we talked to him on the radio right after he got drafted by the 49ers and you know he's got a lot of confidence he's got a lot of confidence so you know it just gives him an opportunity you, you get to come in you got some vets on the squad uh you get to learn from these vets and then you get your opportunity and if it's special teams i think both these guys will do well in special teams you know uh contributing to the team if they're able to make the team but i think you know again i think i think it, on paper it looks good it's not flashy but it looks good you address some needs uh, and we just kind of see, kind of see how it plays out. But I still, I cannot believe not one defensive lineman came off the board for the 49ers. You know, I, I think that they did the defensive line part of the draft before the draft when they got those X Raiders guys. They got Arden Key and Maurice Hurst, and they gave them, uh, you know, not big bonuses, but both of those guys got a hundred thousand dollar bonuses. And you don't give a bonus, uh, not a bonus, a guarantee. Both those guys got a hundred thousand dollar guarantees. You don't give a guarantee to a player that you don't anticipate has at least a really good chance to make the 53 man roster. So um, I firmly expect Maurice Hurst to make it. He was a decent player for the Raiders. Arden Key wasn't good for the Raiders, but the 49ers see something in him that I think they believe they can unlock. Maybe playing opposite Bosa, they believe that Arden Key can, can unleash some of that talent that he showed at LSU when he posted 20 sacks just a couple years ago. So uh, they loaded up on the defensive lineman right before the draft. It, it, it would have been hard for a D lineman that was picked to crack that. You know, they usually carry 10 on the 53-man roster. It, it would have been hard for a drafted defensive lineman uh, to, to make the team. So maybe that was their thinking that, uh, hey, you know, we got Hurst, we got Key. Maybe D Ford's going to be back. That would be a nice boost, and we'll just pack it up and call it a day. Either way, it was the first time in the Shanahan-Lynch era that they did not pick a defensive lineman. So it, it was mildly surprising, to say the least. That's how it, it went. It was an offensive-focused draft, and that was, um, you know, the theme because it started with Trey Lance, and then it went through the offensive linemen and the two running backs. But the defensive side of the ball, they needed that, but they don't need it right away, obviously. They have the starters. They just needed that depth. So that's where Lenar came in. That's where Ambry Thomas came in. And we'll see if they can make the roster. We expect that to happen. We expect Hufanga to make the roster maybe as a special teams ace. And then we'll see uh, if they can develop into players in the coming years after some of these veteran contracts expire. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and for Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. This has been the Here's the Catch podcast. And make sure you tune in next time as we delve deeper into how this 49ers rookie class is acclimating in the 2021 offseason. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.